I want to begin by just introducing Dr. Murray Bowen, uh, B-O-W-E-N. Uh, Bowen Family System Series named after Dr. Bowen. It is the only approach to therapy or psychiatry that is named after an individual. Uh, that's how far uh, reach his impact has been. Uh, Bowen Family Systems Theory is a theory of human behavior that views the family as an emotional unit and uses systems thinking to describe the complex interactions that, that occur within a family. Um, the theory begins with the understanding that it is, it, is, it is the nature of a family that its family members, think of your nuclear family, are intensely connected emotionally. And often when something happens, people feel like they're distant or they're disconnected from their families, but that is more feeling than fact. Bowen theory makes a good distinction between thinking and feeling. People try to get other person's attention, their approval, their support. They react to needs and expectations. And when someone's upset, we, we react to that. That's the way the family dynamic is, is, is wired and formatted which means the various members of the family are extremely interconnected. And a change in one person's functioning uh, is going to be followed by some reciprocal change in the function of others. If this emotional interdependence evolved so the family could stay connected, they could be cohesive, they could protect each other, shelter each other, and feed each other. At the same time, when tension gets high when anxiety rises for whatever reason. Uh, the emotional processes within the family tend to be intensified and we get stuck rather than being able to look at the larger picture and know how to adapt. When family members get anxious, uh, their anxiety is contagious. It spreads from one person to the next. When that happens, we find that folks within the family often accommodate as a way to reduce the tension they're feeling. It may be perceived as I'm doing this to be helpful, and it may be. At the same time, it's often related to our fact we're doing something and not doing something to, to try to lower the tension or the anxiety that, that we're feeling or sensing from someone else. For example, a person may take on uh, more responsibility, too much responsibility, when they feel like they're not living up to the unrealistic expectations they have. And when they overfunction, somebody else is going to underfunction. That's that reciprocity that the theory points us to. So the system kind of absorbs that anxiety, which means oftentimes from a therapeutic perspective, in terms of mental health, when the anxiety is that high, we see behaviors such as depression. Over time, we might see alcoholism. We might see affairs outside of relationship. We might even see physical illness. That's the way our bodies are made. The theory focuses on big picture patterns of the system rather than just narrow individual behaviors. And Dr. Bowen took that systemic look. So the theory invites us to use a really wide lens as we look at each family member through the family dynamic and not focus on just one person or only look at a situation out of our own subjective experience. So one of the gifts for me has been is I've tried to embrace the theory is it helps me look beyond fault finding and blaming to try to understand what's really going on within a person as they respond or react to a certain situation. The theory is focused on self-awareness and my own mental health, rather than me trying to diagnose what's wrong with you. The bottom line is for Bowen Family Systems Theory, people cannot be understood in isolation from one another. Now we're all familiar with the term emotional. And a lot of times we substitute the word 
feelings for the word emotions, but Bowen makes a clear distinction. Emotions are the larger dynamic. Feelings are one expression of that. If you can picture in your mind an iceberg, we tend to get stuck on what we see above the line of the water. And we think that's what's going on. And Bowen's theory helps us understand that what is beneath the surface is really what's going on. And that's where all the stuff is happening, not what you see in public or see on the top of the surface. Emotional systems are inherently anxious. And after doing this work for 37 years in a congregation, I've come to understand that congregations in particular seem to be emotional systems that are wired to absorb anxiety. Not only anxiety of the individuals or the families within the congregation, but also the anxiety in the culture, the community, the country in which the congregation finds its ministry context. And remember, we only see the tip of the emotional process. We never see what's going on beneath the surface, but we know that's where most of the stuff is going on. And that's where most of the reactivity happens when the emotional system is disturbed in any way for any reason. But systems thinking asks us to step back and look at the whole rather than look at any one part. It also reminds us that there's no one aspect that can be identified as the problem. No one person can be the problem. If there's a problem, it's involved in the larger emotional process that is at play in that emotional system, which means mistakes can't be blamed on one person. With time, all these aspects come together to maintain a balance, and we might think of this balance as our comfort zone. Does your congregation have a comfort zone? Did you have a comfort zone in 2019? And has anything happened since 2019 or 2020 to upset that comfort zone? Picture in your mind uh, a toy mobile you might see on a baby's crib with all these different animals hanging down or whatever it might be. The slightest movement, they're all connected. The slightest movement in one part of that mobile causes all the other parts to move. Now, the, the mobile is designed to come back to a balance point, and it will until another puff of wind comes along. In a congregation, that puff of wind can often be the winds of change or having to adapt, like adapt to a pandemic. When we step outside the comfort zone, especially in the congregation, we see what Boeing calls sabotage. That's a, that's a pretty heavy word. But it's related to when the emotion, when the homeostasis, the balance in this emotional system called the congregation is upset. And in Bowen family systems theory, sabotage comes in reaction to changes in the emotional system. Your family, your congregation, your civic club, your school, wherever you work. When the homeostasis is disruptive, when the system is out of balance or the comfort zone is, is, is disruptive, sabotage is a sign of reactivity and resistance. Reactivity is characterized when we make automatic responses to something. We, we, we clench our teeth, we clench our jaw, we feel something in our gut. When we begin to blame and criticize and find fault in someone else, that tells me I'm reactive about what's going on around me. It's not about the other person, about how I'm dealing with this loss of equilibrium or this change. We get uptight and we get defensive. Bowen family systems theory allows us to step back, look at the larger picture, understand that 
everything affects everything else. And that this need to have balance is important until it becomes stuck. And when the balance gets thrown off kilter, we, we naturally get reactive, whether it's our family, our congregation, or our work. We had kind of discussed talking about uh, the story of the prodigal son. Are you, do you have brothers or sisters? I do. And are, do you want to, where, are you going to guess? Are you where, gonna, are you, where are you in the birth order? <laughs> I'm the youngest. Okay. And your older sibling is brother or sister? I have two older brothers ah. and they are twins ah. and they're seven years older than me. So tell but me you are, that. but you are the oldest daughter. That's true. Okay. <laughs> the only daughter. <laughs> You're the only child. Five years, five years, the birth order reboots. So you are I, a functional only child. <laughs> what is it? What is the product? What is the product? Prodigal son story. Tell us about that. Oh, Old, this... Oldest children, oldest children. Now this is descriptive, not prescriptive. That's important. Right. Okay. Oldest children are formatted to carry the family mantle, mm. to be the standard bearer of the family. I'm an oldest. I'm, I'm a perfectionist in recovery. <laughs> I'm an oldest. <laughs> oldest children are responsible, even if they do so with a grudge, because uh-huh. that's, that's their role in the family. Right. Uh-huh. Youngest children get less attention from the parents, because now the attention is shared with two people. Hmm. My brother and I had the same parents. We grew up in two different families. Because when he came along four years later, the family dynamic was different than it was when I came along. Okay? So we had the same parents, but we grew up in two different families. Youngest children, because they get less of the parental focus, tend to be a little freer, the more relaxed, a little more adventuresome. They take more risk. And the oldest children are not risk takers because hmm. we don't want to fail. Okay. Youngest children are freer to take risks, think outside the box, follow their own path, not the path that their parents expect them to follow or need them to follow. Hmm. So in the product of story, that plays out. Right. The oldest brother, the oldest son responsible, the, the standard bearer. Youngest son, footloose and fancy free. (laughs) And the challenge in the story is the father is so self-aware of his love for both of his children that he doesn't get tripped up by either one of their behaviors. He, he, He arms wide open when the younger son who screwed up comes back. There's always a place for you. So the father was was clear enough in his role as a parent as a leader to embrace both of those, both of those sons, both of those kinds of behavior. Each one of us might identify with one character more than the other, but I think, I think all those characters are part of us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're the loving father, the loving parent, I'll say. Mm-hmm. We might sometimes be that oldest brother with a chip on our shoulders. I've been serving this committee for 37 years and now they don't ask me to serve again. What do these <laughs> young people know about doing this? Did the son ever, you know, he admitted his mistake. He told the truth. And his self-awareness allowed him to re-enter the family system. 
the older brother, at some point, we don't know all the details. I want to believe, because the gospel is good news, that he had some kind of self-awareness about what was going on, and he calmed down a little bit. But it was the, the role of the loving parent that stayed connected to both of those acting out behaviors mm-hmm. that allowed the family to reunite and come back together. There is such an importance to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that there's not going to be anxiety in the system. It's not to say that, you know, there's going to be imbalance at times, but that, you know, the system is going to balance itself out. But I think the self-awareness of, um, of, of what is going on, or, uh, if we are looking at that, um, is it Matthew 18, where Jesus talks about, you know, how to, how to speak to people, um, and, and bring in other witnesses, allowing other people to hold up a mirror to you and say, you know, let, let me define this situation for you, um, as a way to move forward in love together. Um, not to say you're bad and you're good, but let's talk about what is before us in this system that's happening. When I first got, when I first began working uh, with this theory, I had a coach. I've got, I've got a coach now. Um, and, uh, we're talking about my family and I was, uh, at odds with my brother about something. And I kept wanting my brother to change, to change, to change. And uh, Elaine said, you've read the book. You've read the, the book of Bowen Family. said, there's only one person you can change. Who is that? <laughs> well, that's me, okay? You, you do not have the capacity to change your brother. You might think you do, but you don't. So the only person I can change is myself. And that's been one of the gifts the theory has given me, to, to work on myself. Because as I change myself, I occasionally notice some reciprocal shifting in those folks around me. I'm not making them change. I'm not telling them they've got to change, but they see something different in me. Mm-hmm. And I think, they're, I think they're drawn to that in a healthy way. Yeah. That, that self-awareness is what this is all about. And in the Prodigal Son story, if I could add a verse or two, I do think all three of those characters had a deeper sense of self-awareness by the time the story was over. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy, but it, it happened. Mm-hmm. And that's the grace of the story for me. They had that self-awareness. Right. 